Good morning. Welcome to Bethel. You guys can have a seat. I was talking to one of you a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, I just want it to be warm, and I promise I won't complain. Can't remember which one of you it is, but man, it's hot out there, right? Summer is here. So summertime, lots of people are traveling, um, lots of things going on, and we have a lot of people missing today because they're at camp. Um, if you're visiting with us today, we are so glad that you're here. We, we love visitors. We love that you're here, and we welcome you, and we would love to connect with you. And the best way to do that is to go to our website, which is mybethel.cc connect. And when you get there, there's a place to put your name and a way for us to contact you. And we would just love to see how we can serve you better if you have any questions and just connect with you that way. Um, we are continuing in our series called Voices. And we've been learning about who are we listening to. And today is the loudest voice of all, not your spouse, but not your children. Honestly, that loudest voice of all comes from ourselves. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. So let's get started. Hello, Bethel. Tyler did a sidekick. Can you believe that? Dude's back at church. His son is doing uh, much better. We've been praying for him for uh, a while now, and uh, so he got to come back today. He's in his shorts, and he just did the little, I don't know, is that Dorothy kick? I don't know what that is. Wizard of Oz kick. I want to pray, and we're going to jump into Voices Week 5, uh, the loudest voice, all right? If you have your Bibles, you can turn to James chapter 1. That's where we're going to start. And if you have your smartphone, you can go to the live event, and we'll get started together. But let's pray to jump in. God, this morning, we want to pause, and God, we want to thank you that we have a, a building that we can gather in that has air conditioning, and, and God, we, we thank you for that. Um, we thank you for the people that have, have gathered today, and in spite of the, the summer and the activities and all the things that are going on, and our campers are away, God, you've brought us together that we could celebrate together and, and learn more about you, more about ourselves, and then what you want for us. And God, I pray that today as we read through James and, and what you said through him, and then as we read uh, in the, the first book of Scripture, the, the book of Genesis, and as we, we see the narrative that's there, God, I pray that your Spirit would speak to us, that your Spirit would draw us in, and God, that you would begin to work in our hearts because we're all listening to something, and we're all discerning which voice we want to listen to, and, and the loudest voice we know is, is our own voice. You've gave, given us the the spirit of free will. We can do what we'd like to do. And so, God, this morning, I pray that you would break through the noise, that you'd quiet our hearts, and God, that we'd be able to, um, for the few minutes that we have together, we'd be able to see what you have for us this morning. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Voices was started, a series out of a conversation. I've told you guys with a friend, and all of us have these, like, influences that we grow up with, and they speak into our ear. They sit on our shoulders, and they, they're always there whether we see them or not. And we listen to these voices, and we have either guilt, shame, or we make decisions based on the voices that we hear. And, and today we're going to jump into this, this, like, exploring the truth about my own voice. Because even though we have kind of a, a bunch of voices that are there, 
The loudest voice that rings in my ear is my own voice because my own voice is telling me, do this, don't do this, and oh, you should do this, and hey, why don't we want, we want to do this. And so in the end, our own voice is the loudest along with all the other voices that are there, and there's just a bunch of chaos we've got to cut through and figure it out. We're going to go to James chapter 1, and then we're going to jump back to Genesis. But we want to start in James. This is the brother of Jesus. Uh, he was the younger brother of Jesus. And if you've read through the Gospels, this particular brother, James, rejected Jesus early on in Jesus' ministry. They had seen him, and they were like, oh, he can't be the Messiah. He's our brother. Well, as James grew and as he saw his brother perform miracles and give his life on the cross, James became an incredible and a radical follower of Jesus, one of the leaders of the early churches. And when he wrote this book through the inspiration of the Spirit, he was bringing the context of Scripture, the law of God, and he was giving us little proverbs about how to live daily life as a follower of Jesus. And so this particular passage in verse 12 uh, sorry, yeah, verse 12 of chapter 1, there's a section here that talks about us listening to our own voice, okay? Let's start in verse 12. It says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they'll receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Verse 13, and, we, and remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Verse 14, so where, where does this temptation come from? And James gives us the answer. Temptation comes from our own desires. If you have scripture there, if you have your, your Bibles, you can actually circle that word, own desires. It comes from within. And then it says, which entices us. And so that desire grows. It entices us, kind of allures, uh, gives us an allure. And then it drags us away. So there's the steps of temptation. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to to death. Now, here, here's the truth that we know, and, and James is putting it in the context of, of temptation. James is putting it in the context of decisions that all of us make every single day. All of us have things that we're confronted with. They're long-term decisions, short-term decisions, and all of us can view them as either a trial or a temptation, a temptation to do good or to do, to do evil, to do right or wrong. And all of us end up really doing what we want to do. We end up doing what we want to do. And so we can encourage anyone to do anything, but in the end, I have my own narrative, and I end up doing what I want to do. And so as you get married, and you have a relationship with your spouse, and you begin to know each other, and you get to realize that no matter how many times I thought when we were dating that I was going to be able to control this person, I can't. And it's the other way around, too. We're uncontrollable people because we do what we want to do. That's what it is. Now, I have kids, and if you have the blessing of having children, you know the same thing to be true. I want my kids to do this, and I will talk about it, and I'll set boundaries and guidelines, but they do what they want to do, because we all do what we want to do. The difference between a little kid and an adult is adults are more covert about it, okay? Kids get caught. Adults, they get caught too, but they're less, they get caught less. So it's, it's that voice in our head that tells us what we want to do, and we end up doing it. It's so loud. It's so powerful. It's so influential that we end up getting used to hearing it, and on a whim, we begin to listen to the voice that's telling us to do what we do. So James describes it as temptation. It's a temptation to question, uh, it's temptation to question our motives and to question the things that God is telling us. Because there's several narratives going on, and we think, oh, God's voice is really loud. Actually, last week we saw it's a gentle whisper. And so if I have this loud voice that's overpowering, that's telling me what to do, and there's a gentle whisper that's trying to get my attention, if I don't 
cut the noise down of that loud voice, I'll never hear the gentle whisper. There's another whisper there too, and it's the voice of the enemy going, yeah, do it, do it, do it. And so you have a gentle whisper that's saying, hey, there's another way to think. There's a gentle whisper that's confirming what you're doing because we all do what we want to do. This goes back to the garden. This goes back to Genesis chapter 3. Um, if you know the story of Scripture, uh, there's a narrative there, a story that talks about God planted a garden. He put man in the garden, man and woman in this garden, and he gave them the perfect place with liberty to thrive. He gave them everything they needed to live within the boundaries of the garden. And then there was a serpent. This is the enemy. This is the devil. This is the Satan. This is the, 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 the anti-God showed up and asked Eve a few questions about the goodness of God and the word of God. And this, was, this sparked an enticement within Eve to choose to do what she wanted to do. So let's look at the, the narrative there in chapter 3 of Genesis. Okay? Chapter 3 of Genesis says there, verse 1, it says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. Totally aside, totally bonus, on Facebook, I, I joined this group a few weeks ago, Snake Identification of Oklahoma. Fascinating stuff. So cool. Now, if you don't like snakes, don't go there. But man, all sorts of weird snakes. And I'm like, a good snake's a dead snake. But no, they say, don't kill it, don't kill it. Anyway, serpent, when you see serpent here, a lot of us, our minds go to snake, okay? A lot of our minds go to this, this thing that's out in the wild and we hope it doesn't come into our home. That's what we come to, right? Well, the serpent here is actually talking about the deceiver. It's talking about the, the, the anti-God, the one that came in to disrupt what God had created. And so when you see serpent, and over and over again in Scripture, we see this confirmed that this serpent is the enemy. This, this serpent is the, the one that will kill, steal, and destroy. And so when you see this word serpent here, and then in other parts of Scripture, specifically it's talking about something that will call into question the goodness and the word of God. Then it says, one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Christy wouldn't hang around long enough to hear a snake say anything to her, um, but this specific serpent spoke, and Eve was like, huh? And she went over, okay? So she asked a question, did he really say you must not eat and of the tree? And then she answered, she goes, of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it, if you do, you will die. Then the serpent responds, you won't die. He says to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. So up to this point, God had spoken, the enemy had questions, and then it's up to man and woman to make a decision. Okay, The final decision rested on them. No one made them do what they did, they chose. Okay? And so let's look at the rest of the story because we always want to blame and our, our, our tendency and even their tendency is to shift the blame other places. And I made this choice because I was forced to or I was told to or I was convinced to. Well, in verse 6, let's see what it says right there. The woman was convinced, okay? So he gave her some information and she's like, oh. So look what the, the steps were in what happened after this because just being tempted is not sin, just having the thought or just having a decision to make is not sin. But this is what she did. It says she saw the tree, that the tree was beautiful. So she looked at her eyes and she looked at it and she goes, oh, it's beautiful. Then she said, and its fruit looked delicious, okay? So, so not only did she see it, but then she started to imagine, oh, this thing is going to taste exactly like, I think it's going to taste because it looks great. And then she wanted, so it was a desire, 
that the wisdom, the wisdom that it would give her. And so she was thinking wisdom like knowledge unlocking something, something secret. She didn't understand that the wisdom was actually the wisdom to actually understand sin. It says, then she gave, she, sorry, she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. Now everybody's like, man, if Eve wouldn't have done this, Adam would have done that. Bull, he was there. He was with her. He heard the same thing. He took it too. He went through the same process. No one told him to do it. He did it. At that moment, it says right there, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So the knowledge came, the wisdom came, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. So this led me to consider, as I was reading this dialogue, how powerful and the most convincing, powerful dialogue is the internal one. So the one that I think about, the one that I go over in my head, the one that I consider is the most powerful dialogue. So see that he, she saw, and it was this beauty. So this saw came through her eyes, and she actually considered it. She imagined the taste. She imagined what life would be like, and then she desired it. And so when you're making a decision, when I'm making a decision, it doesn't matter what it is. If it's like buying a house or buying a candy bar, it doesn't matter. It's the same process where I see, I imagine, I buy. Okay, and a lot of us will go through a lot to get it. So yesterday, here's confession time, we were wanting Dairy Queen. Mistake, but we wanted Dairy Queen. It's great, Dairy Queen's good, Dairy Queen's good. And you, you order and they say, with pleasure. And you're like, oh, of course. And we're standing in this line forever. I don't know why it took so long. I don't know who was ordering what, but we're sitting in the line to order and it took forever, but we imagined what it would be like on a hot day to have some cool ice cream floating down our throats. And we saw it, bing, the sign. We imagined it. We desired it. Did my sound go away? Boom, it's gone. i got to speak louder, Chris. i got full bars. Check, check. All right. I'm just going to keep talking loud, okay? So we, desire, we desired it. We saw it. I don't know if that's going to work. Here we go. I'm back. I'm back. Thank you. Am I back? Yes, I'm back. Okay, cool. I don't know what that was about, but love technology. Chris, you're the man. I mean, man, look at that. He just jumped up and fixed it. Oh, yeah. Chris is phenomenal. Um, we looked at it. We imagined what it would be like. We desired it, and we waited forever to get it. Okay? Not all decisions are that complicated. Not all decisions take that long. We just get so used to making them, and it's the same process. We see we imagine, we desire, we take, we do. So isn't that all of our decisions where the, it pushes us to do this? And so here's, here's the greatest temptation when we're making decisions right here. The greatest temptation is to suppress the word of God and the goodness of God while we're making a decision. So we're, we're listening to ourself, and the last thing we want to know is what God wants or what God's desire is or his goodness so the desire questions the will of God, it questions the goodness of God, and it questions the word of God. And so my voice is the loudest. Why is my voice the loudest when I'm making decisions? Why are my desires the loudest when I'm walking through a process to make decisions, specifically when I'm tempted or to, do any, to make any decision? Later in Genesis, right there in the same narrative, we see where God cursed and God told them what was the consequence of their decisions. And it was this hostility, this like, enemy between man and God and man and the enemy. And so there was this constant hostility between men and women. And we see through all of human history that men and women do what they want to do. 
They end up just doing what they want to do. And actually, some pretty phenomenal things have happened in history straight up because of the will of man and woman. We've seen incredible things happen around the world by sheer willpower. But in the end, as we see through history, there's a problem, and it's how we just go our own direction. Isaiah 53 puts it like this. All of us are like sheep. We've gone astray. We've left God's path to follow our own. And so I've got my own path, and I'm following that path. The author of Psalm 119, he actually describes his journey as a wandering. It says, I've wandered away like a sheep, like a lost sheep. And then he said, come and find me, for I've not forgotten your commands. And wandering, as we think about this idea of wandering, wandering only happens through many small steps. It's not a giant leap or a big jump. It's many small steps that create the wandering. We've all gone our own, way, our own way. My voice is the loudest. And why is my voice the loudest? Like what in human history and what's in the DNA of man and woman for our voice to be the loudest? Well, something happened specifically with Adam and Eve when they stepped out of God's plan, out of the boundaries and the parameters that he set up. This specific thing happened in this moment where sin, the imperfection, invaded the fractured, uh, the fractured mind of men. And so man was a three-part person, body, soul, spirit, and when sin entered it, it collapsed everything into one. And so now it's a jumbled mess trying to figure out what voice I'm listening to is because sin is a nature that all of us have. Paul describes this actually perfectly in Romans chapter 7 when he wrote these relatable words, and if you've been in church at all, you've probably heard them. If not, I want you to listen to them right now because the problem with hearing this whisper is we have a jumbled message a, a signal coming, and it's jumbled by sin because we have a sin nature. Look what it says in verse 19 of Romans chapter 7. It says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm, really the one, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. So in case you think that Paul is shifting the blame just to sin... Paul, what he's doing is acknowledging that within his mind is this thing called sin that's causing him not to hear the right voice and making decisions that are against what God wants. Because it says, it's not really me. Like, if I didn't have sin, I'd always make the right choice. That's the truth. But I have sin, and so it makes me do this wrong choice. So verse 21, I've discovered this principle in life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, so I have this thing that's trying to discern right from wrong. But there's another power within me that's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and by death? This is called the sin nature. This is the very thing that is intertwined within us, and we cannot separate it. It actually is the very thing that separates us from God because it's intertwined in all our decision-making. Many, many people think about sin as this, like, massive evil thing, like killing someone or possibly stealing or robbing a store or possibly lying over and over again, becoming a liar. And it's like we, we categorize, we have these big sins, and we're like, that's evil. True, those are not correct, but it's all the decisions that we make. We have these, this invasion in our minds, and it's sin that blocks God's voice, and it makes it hard to interpret the best decisions because it's there. It's always there. We don't know anything different. It comes down to what we said in the beginning, I do what I want to do when I, do, when I want to do it. I just do what I want to do when I want to do it. So when making decisions, we have to assume 
that the loudest voice we hear is our own. When I'm making a decision, just automatically assume my voice is the loudest voice that I hear. And then ask yourself, is this voice telling me what's compatible with God's word and his desire for my life? Is it compatible? So I want to do what I want to do, and is that compatible with what God has laid out in his word? Is there a way to lower the voice in my head or the voice of myself and elevate God's word? Here's, here's what I've learned over the course of my uh, Christian life or following Jesus, and I'm still working on this stuff. This is stuff that I've encountered in scripture. The first thing that we all need in order to lower our own voice and elevate God's voice is divine intervention, divine intervention. There has to be something supernatural that happens at some point to invade me and begin the process of change. I can't do it on my own. I've tried, you've tried, we've all tried, but I need a voice, something else on the exterior. It's an encounter with God. It says, verse 25 of Romans chapter 7, Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Paul was acknowledging the answer to start, discerning the correct voice, is Christ, even though I'm still going to be invaded with my sin nature. This is what I still have, so this is the struggle. So the first thing is divine intervention. We have to have an encounter with Jesus. We have to have an encounter with the Savior. Here at Bethel, everything we do is about Jesus. We always talk about Jesus. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. And then we say it's not about us. It's all about others. The reason we say this is because everything we talk about, everything we do is about Jesus. We need a divine encounter with him to transform our lives. Outside of that, there's nothing. There's not a list of do's and don'ts you can do in order to save yourself. It's all about a divine intervention from God in your life. Second thing, patience. We need to slow down when we're making decisions. Our world is so fast-paced right now, and we're making decision after decision after decision really, really quickly. We need to slow down when we make decisions. Look at the very first verse we read today. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. When you're making a decision, you're being tested, you have a temptation in front of you, slowing down actually is, bless, is, being, is a blessing from God. So slow down when you're processing decisions. Slow down when you're trying to make a decision. There has to be divine intervention, and then slow down. Third thing is we need to pull the weeds and nurture what God plants. In our lives, all of us have this sin nature that sprouts up weeds. If you have a garden, if you have uh, grass, there's always weeds, and we have to pull the weeds and nurture what's planted, the good things that are planted. Verse 21 of James chapter 1 says, So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word God, the, the word God has planted in your hearts. And then it says, for it has power to save your souls. It takes gardening, it takes process, it takes the decisions, little decisions day by day to de-weed our heart and our minds and then nurture the thing that God has planted there, the good that God has planted there. Most of us make little decisions every single day and they're harmless. They're not going to have eternal consequences. They're not going to be fatal. But these little small decisions that we make are practice for the really big decisions that we have to make. And so if we'll learn to discern and begin to de-weed these little decisions that we're making, when a big one comes along, we'll make the correct step because we're already used to following God's word in our lives. And so these small decisions allow us to discern the best decisions when it actually counts. This is what I think about as wandering on purpose. Um, I love to go to the Rockies and I love to wander around the Rockies. But I know where I'm going and I don't know where I'm coming back to. I'm not just going to go get lost there because then it'll cost me my life. 
And so it's wandering on purpose. This is keeping the gardening in our minds. We all have to de-weed things. That's why we need each other. That's why we got to get together. That's why we have to do life with others. And then the very last thing that I want to mention is simply do. Simply do. James 1.25, it says, But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, it's examining it, it's looking at it, it's, it's considering it. It says, And if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. And so it's divine intervention, it's patience, it's de-weeding and then plant, uh, uh, actually taking care of nurturing what God plants and then doing. Most of us don't need a lot of help making bad decisions. It just comes natural. But all of us need help to make the best decisions. And, and here in, Christ, in the Christian life, once you have encountered Jesus, something happens in the signal, something happens in the decisions that we make, where now we have a chance to begin to discern what God wants. And this morning, if, if you're sitting here and you're like, you know, I don't know what that looks like in my life because I've never actually had a relationship with Jesus. Like, I, I know about him, I have information about him, but he's never changed my, my heart, he's never changed my mind. This morning, simply, it's just yes. And if you say yes to Jesus, your mind begins to work and understand and discern God's voice. And your voice will become quiet. But it's just like anything else. If I don't take care of the garden that God is planting in my mind and the good things, it will be overcome with weeds and I'll never hear God's voice. You know, Christ is our help. Psalm 46.1 says that God is our refuge and strength. Always ready to help in times of trouble. And so if I don't know where to go, I don't know what decision's next, I can slow down and be patient and ask him to help me because he's always present to help. Let me pray for you this morning. And then we're going to step into a time of worship where we consider what Scripture has told us. We consider some steps that we need to take. And then we realize that it's not about me, it's about Jesus. It's about what he's doing, and he is enough. And so let's pray this morning. God, as we step into a time of worship, God, we are we're, we're, we're set at a table of decisions, and, and we have to decide what we're going to do. We all have a choice. And every little decision we make takes us somewhere. Every step helps us wander on purpose or are distracted. God, God this morning, my, my prayer is that as a, as a community, as a, as a family, as a church, as, as, as those that are gathered here today, that we would take some time and pause, reflect on our personal relationship with you, reflect on the things that you're doing and, and the decisions we're making, and then ask ourselves, how, how do I process decisions? How am I approaching a decision in my life? If it, is it just how I feel? Is it what your word says? Is it directed by the Spirit? What, what am I doing? And God, as we process this and realize that Jesus is enough, he, he has rescued us, he, is, he has begun to transform our minds, and we, begin, we can begin to capture thoughts, and we can begin to um, think about things differently. God, Christ is enough. You're, you're enough. And then I think about just the enslavement of our sin nature and how it wants to dominate. And God, it takes a lot of strength to stand firm, and that's where we need your spirit. We need your spirit to speak clearly. And so this morning, God, as we worship, as we, as we sing back to you praise, I pray that 
you would give us a divine intervention and that we begin to process decisions based on what you've said, not what we think. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for that moment that he came and took our place, took all of our sin on himself, died and then rose. God, give us a moment to where we can recognize that, acknowledge that, and walk in that. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, it's like if you ask me, oh, what's your life verse? It's like, I guess, Romans 7. You know, I want to do the stuff, and then I do what I don't want to do, and then I want to do the good stuff, and then I find myself doing the bad stuff, and then verse 24, I'm just miserable. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, goodness, this is me. But yeah. then verse 25 says, Jesus. But Jesus. Right. You know, it's like we're miserable. We cannot do it on our own. But Jesus is there. He's the reason. He's the help. He's the way we can do it. Yeah. And, and, and that's what we have to cling to is just, Jesus, help me do the things that you want me to do. Not right. that I want to do, but that you want me to do. And, and the thing is, is um, we can be sitting for a long time yeah. waiting. Yeah. And like if you look at in God's word, story after story after story, 40 years, seven years, let me, you're like waiting a long time. And so like, what do you do while you're waiting? You said that word patience. Oh, that's a hard word. We don't like to be patient. We want to pray in the morning and get it in the afternoon, right? I pray, you give. It's like, <laughs> that's not how it works. And so that patience, that, that, okay, I want to wait well. Like, that's what I've kind of been saying. I want to wait well. In the waiting, what do I do? How can I, how can I just keep doing the good things over and over while I'm waiting? Yeah, I think I, this, in the first service, I was thinking about it. And um, a couple years ago, I, I bought um, some blackberries, uh, plants. bought some blackberry plants because I love blackberries. I don't know if you guys like blackberries, but so good. And I was like, oh, I need to grow my own, eat my own. And so I bought these plants, and I found these ones that were thornless. So I was like, oh, we're going to have thornless blackberries. It's going to be amazing. So I went home. I don't have a green thumb. I, I'm not very good at that stuff. I planted them, and they died. And every day I would water them, and they died. I, I just couldn't get them to do anything. And this was three and a half years ago. And so what do you do in the waiting? You kill the plants. No, you, what you do in the waiting <laughs> is you de-weed. And so what I decided to do is I decided I'm going to go around where I planted these blackberries. I'm just going to make sure there's no weeds and make sure there's nothing in the way of growth. And I'm just going to see what happens. The very first year, though, I was watering. It felt like for nothing. I think right. I think Christy ran over it. I, I think we mowed year. over it. It this was like year I actually backed. Oh, you back? Oh, this year? Come on now. Yeah, I did. Okay, but uh, anyway, the first year I was like, I don't know. I was like, it wasn't. It was fr frustrating. Then the second year, this was three and a half years ago, so two and a half years ago, um, I said, oh, there's these, little, there's these little things coming up, so maybe my blackberries aren't dead yet. And so I made sure there was no weeds and made sure I was watering them still. And so then the third year comes along, which is like this last year, and I was like, oh, I think this is the year my blackberries are going to come up. I'm going to be eating blackberries. It's going to be amazing. Then we got a nice storm, and I was like, oh, dang it. These stinking things, I don't know if they're going to survive, but these things held on, and we got another ice storm, and I was like, hold on. And so I'm like de-weeding. I'm shaking the ice off of them, trying to get them to survive. And this year, starting this year, no lie, every day, yeah. drive home, I park, and I get out, and I go talk to my little blackberry plant. Yeah, he does. And I go, and I kneel down, and I get low, and I'm like, ooh. And I talk, and it's like, oh, you're doing so good. And I pet the, <laughs> I pet the leaves, and I was like, hey, Max and Lily, come on. And we get on our knees, and we make sure there's no, no little weeds around there. And then earlier this year, these little flowers came out, these like white flowers. And I was like, yes, we're going to get some blackberries. And then they just shriveled up, and I was like, dang it. I don't, see, I don't know how this process goes. 
And it's like this patient. We could stop at in, Sprouts on the way home and buy blackberries. Well, that's not as fun. <laughs> that's not as fun. But anyway. Yeah, not as fun. So Bye. then, I don't know if it was like six weeks ago, these little green, little like berry looking things started popping out on the edges. And I was like, oh, guys. And I was like, come here, let's talk to them. You're doing so good. And, <laughs> and it's like, it's weird. But that's what I yeah, promise you. This is what I do weird. every day. Yeah. So, and so as the journey is going on, so, there, so I'm telling you all this because blackberries three and a half years ago, I wanted them. And we might get them in about 10 years. And maybe next year, maybe I can maybe. eat some. I don't know. Maybe. But there's like 20 little cherries, or cherries, little blackberries yeah. coming up. The birds are probably going to eat them before I can. But they're there, and I'm thinking, oh, cool, this is a long process. And I think that's what happens in our spiritual life. It's like God is planting things, and if we'll spend some time, like, de-weeding in the waiting, eventually the life will come out. Well, and, and eventually think, we'll be able to enjoy it. I think right? in the waiting is like, well, what do we do in the waiting? Like, I don't want to wait 10 years to have pie, you know? So it's like, <laughs> and, and, and so I think along the way, you just say yes to the yeah. little things. Yeah. Like you said, the wandering, the steps. And it's like, okay, yes, I'll Wander do this on one little thing. Yeah. I'll do this one little thing. God, okay, I'm going to say yes. When I know you want me to do something, I'm just going to keep saying yes. Yeah. And like we had, um, I don't know if you noticed, we had a couple new band members today, our worship team. We had Emily and Russ uh, on the stage. And those were just Super like, good. they said yes. And yeah. it's not always easy. It can be scary and hard. And, um, and Tyler came back. His baby's doing great. We've been praying for him for a long time. And his baby's doing great. And Tyler's come back. So I think it's just like saying yes along the way. Yep. You know, yep. while you're waiting, okay, Lord, how can I get to know you in the waiting? Because sometimes we're waiting just so we can get to know him better. And I promise you there's joy. A lot of us think that the do's are like a lot of burdens. But when I go talk to my blackberry plants... I promise you, this is weird, but I do. It's joy because I'm like, oh, what am I going to see? Oh, there's a spider. Get that thing out of there. You know, it's like I'm, I'm actually examining it. And if we if we would spend time on our faith journey that way. I think that's a whole way, other sermon, babe. It is. It's what like in the world? I know. It's like coming to me right yeah, now. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, if, you, if we'll spend time with that, it's not a burden. It's actually a joy because when things begin to grow, it's all that much better. Right. 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 And it's like the words we sing, though. I know. It's like today, today in these last couple songs, it's like. Um, Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Christ is enough. And as soon as we say, I've decided to follow him, no turning back, that's when things start happening. And yeah. you're like, oh, this is hard. This is difficult. And then we have to start the waiting game. And, and, and so saying those words, it's one thing to sing it while we're in church here together. And then it's another thing to be in the hard thing out in the world and say, yeah. okay, Christ, you're enough. Right. You're enough. I'm going to follow you even though it's hard. I'm going to try to wait well. I'm going to probably mess up and do what I don't want to do and not do what I want to do. And I'm miserable, but you. But right. with you, we can do it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's everything. We hope you have a great week. We're so glad that you guys came. <laughs> Remember here at Bethel, we exist to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. Love you guys. Have a good week.